Hey, hey, welcome to the Swine Time Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Swinehart. Um, it's great to be here today. It's a Monday. Usually I do my uh, podcast on Fridays, but I have a special guest. So I waited a couple days longer to uh, to bring my special guest on. Um, before we get to the special guest, I want to just keep you guys uh, posted and updated. I uh, had a wrestling practice today. I'm going over to the uh, Pacific Palisades High School and uh, working out with their team. That's right. I'm a 39-year-old man still working out with the high school team. Uh, <laughs> a lot of fun, and uh, the team is looking good. They're doing really well. And uh, I have some uh, more footage that I will be uh, putting up on YouTube uh, as far as the wrestling tournament goes uh, as in the, in the training and uh, whatnot with that. Um also, man, I, I I wanted to talk about this topic that's been uh, bothering me like crazy. Uh, maybe not bothering me like crazy, but that's been on my mind here. Uh, you know, I uh, I went to a, a free acting class in uh, Hollywood. See, they have these sometimes. You you'll have a teacher will put on a free class, and uh, in hopes that uh, people will sign up for the class and. Um, you know, uh, living in Hollywood as long as I have, uh, there's certain, uh, uh, I, I'm going to call it propaganda, that uh, starts to uh, piss you off a little bit. Uh, and um, this, I'm sitting in this class and uh, the teacher says it, that, uh, uh, that every story about white men has been told. And uh, me sitting there as a white dude with uh, part of his fingers chopped off and making a comeback in wrestling after 20 years is sitting there thinking, well, motherfucker, my story hasn't been told, you asshole. Uh, and to say that all of our stories have been told, I thought, I personally thought that was some uh, bull crap. And, uh, and uh, I hate uh, blanketed statements like that that um, really uh, uh, just pissed me off. And then the teacher asked... Uh, for everybody to go around the class and tell them something that inspired them. And then so it got to me, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to refrain. It's swine time, you know. So uh, <laughs> I said, well, what inspires me is the fact that you just said that uh, every story about the white man has been told. Well, I didn't mean it quite like that, he says. And he goes, you know, there will always be another Dick Cheney. Now, here's something that pisses me off, too. And I'm tired of these blanketed statements that people lay out because they have, uh, you know, uh, their own their own racial problems. But, uh, uh, and this guy looks white to me. I don't know. He might be mixed with something, but whatever. But, um, you know, it's, uh, how are you going to say that uh, everybody, all the, all the white dudes in the world are like, uh, are like Dick Cheney or that we're all... Uh, uh, have done some kind of evil or bad, and uh, it's you know, and it's just this Hollywood bullshit. And uh, to have to uh, to deal with it, I, I just I, I can't take it anymore, man. I, I I'm you know, everybody knows I'm a nice guy. I'm a good good-hearted dude, but you know what? It's time to start sticking up for uh, for what I believe in. And these blanketed statements. And this, uh, all this white privilege bullshit that I have to hear in, in, day in and day out. First off, anyone that I've ever oppressed, uh, please speak up. That's right. Nobody will because I've never oppressed anybody. Okay. When you say uh, these things about the white man, you're talking about everybody. If you want to get specific and say, okay, Dick Cheney was an asshole. Okay, go ahead. But that's one person. He doesn't represent everybody else. 
Um, and a lot of times people that get to power, they get to power by being assholes, stepping over people, stepping on people. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and with this whole, uh, this whole race and this white privilege, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see, I, I kind of don't understand the white privilege thing. If, if, if white privilege exists so big, how come uh, people aren't claiming that when they go to college? Because when you go to college, you want to claim anything but white. You want any kind of uh, race in you but white because that will help you get scholarships. Uh, my cousin had a 4.5, my cousin on my mom's side, 4.5 GPA, man. And he was str- struggling to get himself into a medical college, school because of white, of being white. So, um, and, 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 if, and if that's so, if that's the case, why do we got people like that uh, politician... Uh, all these politicians are claiming any kind of uh, race but white. They, that uh, lady, uh, damn, I forget her name right now, but uh, she claimed to be Indian. She come out to be 0.1% Indian. Well, I guarantee that pretty much all of us are probably 0.1% Indian, being that, uh, you know, the Europeans came over here and conquered everything. We probably all got as much Indian as uh, as uh, she does, as they call her, Pocahontas. So I'm I'm just kind of fed up with all that, and uh, you know, I, I, you listen to my podcast. I want you to hear my opinions, you know. And uh, this isn't what I bring to the stage because when I go to the stage, you know, I have my set that is fun, and in and I try to unite people because you all know I love all ethnicities. So um, at the same time, uh, my podcast is my free form thinking that I can do almost like I jot down with a pencil. And uh, I just wanted to to, to kind of get that off my chest because I'm not going to stand for it. And uh, as I get older, uh, I I I, uh, I want to you know uh, stick up for what I what I think. And people are a okay to disagree. I mean, I know I don't. I only see the world through my point of view. And my point of view is that you know I come from a regular kind of a family. Uh, I doubt like hell, uh, any of my family ever owned slaves or any shit like that, because mainly it's probably the rich people back then that owned the slaves, just like it's the rich people who own the oil now. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of getting sick and tired of, uh, of some of this bullshit and, uh, sitting back in Hollywood and, uh, listening to these crybaby bitches and, uh, you know, uh, and I am training for a wrestling tournament. So uh, if you think I'm full of shit, I'll meet you anywhere because I'm training and I guarantee (laughs) that no matter who it is I got to go up against isn't going to be as hard as my opponent. So uh, so, uh, that's just kind of where I stand on that. That's just a little rant I had to get out of my system. And uh, like I say, if you you think I'm full of shit, that's fine. But uh, just find somebody I oppressed before... You start throwing out that blanketed white privilege, white people suck, uh, white people, all this bullshit, okay? Because we all love each other. And uh, with no further ado, I'm going to bring on my friend. Um, this guy is a, a wonderful uh, friend of mine, a very talented uh, uh, filmmaker. Um, we worked on a lot of uh, projects together. I've known him for probably close to 10 years, I would say. And um, It's Gavin there. It's getting there. Close to 10? It's, it's six. Six years. Oh, six <laughs> it's years. Well, it's past six. five. Five it's years. Five. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> so six years we've known each other, and uh, he's uh, he's a uh, fantastic editor and filmmaker, and uh, I actually met him through uh, one of our friends, uh, Nick Novicki. I know you guys all know 
uh, Nick, if you if you if you know me a little bit, because uh, Nick's my buddy, and uh, I was a groomsman at his wedding. Uh, he's a little person, and I'm gonna tell you something. Being a groomsman at a uh, little person wedding is uh, the highlight of my life. There is nothing more magical than that. But uh, I want to bring on my very good friend. Big uh, round of applause for Mr. Matt Bauer. Oh shoot! Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Well, I have to. I have to ask now. What makes it so magical? Being the groomsman at a little person was it majority little people? No, it it was it was some little people there. Yeah. But um, the, what makes it magical is just that it's, it's two little people. Yeah, getting married. I mean, that is not something that mm-hmm. you know uh, you get to see very often. It's rare. It's definitely it's rare. rare. Yeah, to be there, mm-hmm. and I'm a groomsman. Yeah, I see what you mean. I you know, you. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. A group. I'm not just sitting there in the in the chairs watching. Yeah, I'm like right there, dude. I'm You're like, right up there. I'm right up there, and and uh, you you people were taking out their pictures and uh, cameras and taking pictures as if it was Elton John live in concert. It was like <laughs> awesome. it was like everybody was just pulling out their cameras and now I'm I'm a groomsman so I'm trying to be professional you know but I really wanted to yeah. to take some shots and then um Nick had the groomsmen we were all dressed in black mm-hmm. uh like reservoir dogs oh nice yes uh so that was really awesome and um uh, and uh so it was just it was magical. It was in New Orleans, so uh, or New Orleans, or you know, however you yeah, however you pronounce yeah. it, the Saints. And uh, after is a um, you have a uh, uh, parade. Mm-hmm. You walk around this little block, you know. Yeah. And uh, the people watching the parade were excited, and it, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it, man, I've been. To, I, I don't want to put down any other weddings I've been to. Okay, I don't want to sound like. But this was the best fucking wedding yeah. I ever went to. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> it was easily the best wedding I went to. I mean, it was, it, it was so fun, man. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I dig it. I dig it. You know. Oh shit. So you know what? I was thinking, like, what was the first thing we know uh, that we worked together on? So I was thinking of like projects because we we've done a lot of things. We've done a lot of projects. Um, we've done. We've worked on shorts. Uh, you've had a web series, but. You know what? I think the first time we had a one-on-one was uh, we were both working on this pilot um, that Nick Novicki and Kevin Jordan and Steve Broken Dreams. Yeah, Broken Dreams Boulevard or something. Yeah, and I knew you were in it. And I think maybe we met once on set. But I remember the first time uh, I actually had a one-on-one. Well, sort of a one-on-one. We were, um, me, my friend Jimmy, and Zach... We were all just walking down Hollywood Boulevard, and I see you in your suit, Starman suit. Yes. And you, I was just like, Brian? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember this night, but it, it was just, you know, you're just handing out flyers, you know? <laughs> and I was just like, what the hell? Like, I, you were hustling, dude. Oh, okay. So this is, a, okay. So. And I took a flyer and I went to see that show. Like, it was a week later or a few days later or whatever. And I was just like, well, shit. See, know? passing out flyers works. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I want to tell the story about this role of Star Man. So yeah. Nick says to me, okay, man, my buddies and I were making this TV pilot. And uh, I want you to audition for it. And he says, he pretty much says, you're not going to get the role. He said, you know, we want to find somebody who's a known actor to to be in the role. 
you know, but I want you to go audition and meet mm-hmm. the casting director. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I read the line. I, you know, he emails me the thing and I print it off and I read it. And after just reading it one time, I was like, what the hell does he mean? I'm not going to, this role is perfect for me. How does he mean I'm not going to get this role? You know, like, you know, they want to give it to somebody bigger, you know? And sure. Yeah. Which, uh, everybody always wants, there's always somebody bigger everybody want to give to, right? Everyone wants a selling product and, you know, big faces sell and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So then we go to the, um, we go to the, uh, um, I go to the audition, right? I learned my lines, but I, for some reason, I had some kind of errand to run first. So hmm. let's suppose I was supposed to be there at 10.30. I got there at like 11, 11.15. You know, I'm operating on swine time. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm operating on swine time because, you know, I always think that you got to kind of, you can't, you know, you got to kind of get your mind and everything ready. And I kind of walk in, get there a little late. And the best thing that could have happened that day is that I got there a little late because uh, the main actor was Danny Aiello, and mm-hmm. he's that uh, Academy Award nominated actor. Yeah. And he come and sit in the, on the auditions because the character I'm going to play is his sidekick. Mm-hmm. And um, and I go in and do my audition, and I had so much fun doing the audition. And then basically what Nick told me was that after I left, Danny kept talking about me. And it was Danny, he got there just barely before I got there. So if I would have got there on time, I would not have auditioned in front of him and perhaps might not have gotten the part. Yeah. But because he was in there and saw my audition and the rest of the day, he kept bringing me up like he wanted me to get the part. How how late were you? I think I was 30 to 45 minutes late. That is swine time. That's right. swine time. <laughs> but I see what you mean. It being that being that late <laughs> in that yeah. scenario definitely could change things if you're yeah. on time. And, and had it, yeah, right. I kind of worked out, right? And I had, yeah. there was some, uh, there was something else I had to do though at the, before that, that was mm-hmm. super important at that time. I don't know. I, the thing is, I can't even remember what it was, yeah. but whatever it was probably would have detracted me from my audition because I would have been thinking about that you know, and it was probably some daily mundane car problems or something like that. But whatever it was, I had to get it taken care of because, you know, you don't want to be taken in worried about something else yeah. when you're playing this role. Mm-hmm. Um, but the role was, I mean, <clears throat> it's still to me this day really sad. It never went further because that was like a role that it always said it was an NAN role. No acting necessary. Yeah. I just had to be myself. You had a few bits. Dude, you actually, you're really good at those roles with no disrespect. Because now I'm thinking of another project jumping forward in time where you were just acting in it. It was Nick Novicki's uh, film race film. Yeah, where I played uh, the banana. Yeah, exactly, the yeah. banana. And honestly, <laughs> when yeah. Zach and I were killing, uh, like editing that overtime... Uh, or over the night for the deadline, like, dude, your lines were the thing that kept us going. Yeah. Because everything else was plot and whatever, but, like, free potassium. (laughs) Just to provide some context, you're essentially in a banana suit giving out shots of potassium, liquid potassium. Yeah. Uh, for for people, it's like a like a freebie or whatever, and it was I don't know, it was good. You, you had some good improv there. Yeah, I'm great as a guy who is dressed up as something. Because on the on the on on Broken Dreams Boulevard, I was dressed as Starman. You know, he's like one of those characters on Hollywood Boulevard who's taking pictures with people, right, mm-hmm. and getting paid a dollar. 
And then um, what's funny is, you know, I played the banana. But in real life, I did once have a job as an apple. What? I got dressed up <laughs> as an apple and I would give out samples. And the yeah. funny thing is, it was on Wilshire Boulevard. And there's a comedian, Ryan Sickler. At the time, I had not met him, but I knew he was a comedian. And he would walk by every day because he worked at the office next to where I was giving out the, the samples. Yeah. And he would walk by, give me five, and go, what up, Apple? Oh, my God. <laughs> Fast forward like three years later, I'm on a show with him. I say, hey, you know, you when you worked on Wilshire, you would walk by a guy and say, what up, Apple? Yeah. <laughs> I was that Apple. What did he say? Did he remember? He started laughing his ass off. Oh, yeah. He re- <laughs> Nobody's going to forget walking by and giving five to an apple. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah, yeah. You've, got, you've got that, that niche to you, you know, or, or, or the knack for it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird that that type of role. Yeah. Like, I love those goofy... Shit, what were some other roles you, you, you did? Like, so we've, we've collaborated on other things after that. I think there was... You wanted... You, you did two episodes... To a web series at one point. And yeah, we did on and off, and on that and was off fun. That and was that a was bit. that was a good uh, uh, premise. That was like, uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It was based off of that joke I have on again, off again, girlfriend. Yeah, and uh, you know, which was kind of actually tough because my the well, I had two on again, off again girlfriends that that joke is based off of. Mm-hmm. And one of those girlfriends was still around, mm. and then she was off, but she was our craft service girl. Oh, yes. I know who you're talking about. And then she made the best craft service. I mean, you give this girl, you give her like $10, yeah, and she make you like a five-star cuisine meal mm. off of 10 bucks. She could do anything. Oh, my God. And then we had a regular actress there, and... Uh, those two were kind of catty with each other, I think. And uh, she said something, the regular actress said something to offend the girl, the, you know, my ex or, yeah. you know, our new craft service lady. The off again. Yeah, the off again. She offended the off again, who was our craft service lady. Mm-hmm. And because uh, first one, man, she spoiled us with good food. And then after. Then the next day, she said, oh, she offended me. I'm not making food for your guys' next project. So then the next project comes, and I had just gotten back from doing gigs in Germany. And uh, the actress was like, craft service is very minimal today. (laughs) I'll never forget that, because I went to the store, spent 100 bucks to get the craft service, you know, which... You know, yeah. uh, And she was... It was the redhead one, right? That's what I'm thinking of? It was the Halloween episode, right? Yeah, Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so one of them was, but the reason why craft service looked minimal was because you didn't because have the week her, before uh, the actress insulted her and she didn't come back. So it was a whole. I mean, it's just a lot of bullshit you deal with. That's one thing I hate is like even making the movie, the feature film, just dealing with it. It turns me off from the business. The producing side? Yeah, the, the way people are yeah. uh, once it gets to a certain level and the way that the... Uh, I mean, it's unnecessary to, to start acting acting like that. It's like the littlest thing. It's, uh, you know, people get... Dude, you're getting free fucking food. Yeah. You know, even when I work as an extra and I see people, oh, oh crap. Like, they fucking... Where else? I used to work construction for fucking 10, 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. 
and I have to buy my own Wendy's. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I'm like hitting nails. My hands are all busted up. My, you know, you leave at the end of the day, you're in pain. Yeah. And then, you know, on a movie set, you, people get so spoiled, and that's a, uh, you know, and I think that's why I get like so crazy and upset a lot of times at, at the actors who have made it to such a level that they have no uh, grasp. On, on of what it really takes to keep the ball rolling. Yes, and, yeah. and you know, and I think that's one thing I, I, I enjoy about being being a comedian as well because it's it kind of keeps me humbled as I'm always going and meeting people who are working, you know, construction dudes and uh, you know military guys or you know sec- just regular people working regular jobs coming to the shows and escaping. And mm-hmm. then you realize, man, all this entertainment stuff, we're doing it for them to kind of escape. Yeah, exactly. And and, and the, we're fortunate to have these easy-ass jobs where somebody making you craft service. Yeah. Craft service is the food they make on set, you know. It's a, it's a pretty good gig. And <laughs> it's good. Sometimes we get the residuals of that whenever. So I, I when I tend to work in the post house, which is more than not what I'm doing most of the year yeah. or at least half so, the year. So uh, post house is after they make the movie uh, they um, they got to do all the sound and the editing, editing and yeah. stuff. And Matt's uh, an expert editor. Oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty good but he's, I, I appreciate he's awesome. the kind words. Yeah. Uh, but the, the so the post house on that and it, it's not like the case for all of them of course but like um, since they also do productions, they'll bring home the leftover. Not bring home, but they'll bring back to the post house the extra crafty. And then that's when it's just like, you really are like, oh, wow, I'm on cloud nine. But like, it's not there long enough for you to, you know, start getting all uppity about it once it's gone, you know? Because it's the leftovers, you know? And, and honestly, I don't mind actually like being able to walk away from the location, just get the zen as I go get my lunch at a cafe somewhere. Yeah. You know? There's some benefit to that, man. Honestly, get my freedom to go eat lunch as opposed to being like, go sit with this lot of people. And I'm also very introverted, so like I just hate conversation with mass groups of people. Okay, yeah. Unless I need to, yeah. um, which is a bad thing. But um, like I just enjoy just I don't know being able to walk away from it, come back, and you know still do a good job. It's preference. But yeah, man, people on set. Sometimes they forget how spoiled they get. Yeah, and it's just that, man, just dealing with all these personalities, their attitudes, their egos, it gets crazy. It's hard. So I've been produced a decent amount of stuff to know Mm -hmm. that uh, that's why I want to, I mean, my dream team is uh, Matt Bauer and Ishmael Lotz uh, because uh, between Matt and Ishmael, man... You'd have that's my dream team, dude. Have I met Ishmael? Ishmael made uh, Found. With oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, so, with with the dog. Yeah, with, you, the with dog. your dog, with yeah. Prince. Yeah, so I did a, did a uh, short for um, uh, called Found that for the Easter Seals before we worked with Scooby, and uh, Ishmael's been on a couple of the podcasts and uh, his filmmaking, dude. I, I mean, to, if I could somehow combine you two, man. <laughs> Damn, dude, we'd have a dream team. Does he have anything on online? I don't think yes. he's anything. He's yeah, he's up. got a lot of stuff. Uh, okay, he's got a great project now called Lots Lives, and uh, so he's got. Uh, I mean, dude, he was the one. Uh, I mean, basically, found he did all himself, dude. Yeah, one man band. One man band. Shit. 
he was a one man band, and we filmed that in a in a day. And it's, I mean, it looks so good. Those are tricky, man. Yeah, Dude, I mean, film races are one thing. I love the thrill of it, but like having to wear all the hats at once, man. It's, yes, it's he just wore, not easy. To he do. wore all the hats. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. So that's what I'm like. Uh, well, you gotta uh, text me or email me, like either. Some of his YouTube stuff. Like, I'd love yeah. to see him. I'm just bad at remembering names. No, I'll get it. Well, yeah. well, you gotta, you, well actually, you don't need to. You can just listen to this again. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, How do I spell that now? <laughs> minute 24. Oh, wow. uh, uh, minute 24. Uh, so, um, yeah, man. But you got a big... Uh, so, you did a project called um, uh, King of Idiots where yeah. uh, you went out and uh, did stand-up comedy. Yeah. Right? And yeah, uh, you hadn't nice. done stand-up comedy... And uh, you're gonna go into New York City and uh, do stand-up comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, it's kind of your adventure of going in to do comedy for the first time. So how, how did like that idea come up about for you? There's a you know that strangely enough, the history of that idea sort of is also the the premise. And by that I mean uh, uh, back in. Valentine's Day 2009 uh, my friend Zach you've met him before Zach Jumper of course I met Zach great editor he's my buddy yeah he's a cool dude he's a little crazy but I love him to death and um, and I hope you listen to this pal <laughs> and so he and I we were doing class projects and uh, for a documentary class and I didn't have an idea for something and he and I had to deliver flowers so I was making like a little side hustle and it was barely any money but okay. I didn't have a working GPS in my phone I mean, in my car. I didn't even have a smartphone. This is 2009. Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm sitting 